freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We've got a great show today. We have a, uh, our theme today is Legal Eagles. So Cheryl, does that mean that they're finally going to let us hunt eagles? <laughs> Whoa, no, no, no. That would be such a no-no. Um, no, legal eagles. You know, we've, we've got some lawyers that we're going to talk to today. We can hunt lawyers? Oh, stop it. That's not nice. No. We're going to have one of them in studio. And we like these these particular ones. There, there might be some other ones out there that are taking lawsuits that are trying to uh, sue gun manufacturers. Those ones we don't like so much. But um, the ones we're going to talk to today are great. No, I, I agree. They, they are, and we, we know them, and um, we, we like what they're doing for the industry. Uh, our first uh, hour, we're going to have Michael Kilski. He's a litigator focused on criminal defense and protective order matters in the state of Arizona. And we have James Marovich. He's a self-defense lawyer here to help us understand the legal ramifications of self-defense as well as the benefits of establishing an attorney-client relationship from the moment that you decide to carry a firearm for self-defense. And then, of course, there's Alan Corwin. Uh, he's not a lawyer, but he really does understand gun law. Uh, he is the, a prolific writer. He's got about 15 books out now. He's the owner of Bloomfield Press. Lives right here in Arizona, as I would let fact. him be my attorney any day of the week. <laughs> I think I might, too. And he's the leading expert in United States gun law. So that's, uh, that's our first hour. Who's coming up in our second hour, Dan? Our second hour, we have Gail Trotter. She's a columnist, a political analyst, and attorney who testified in the State Judiciary Committee hearing on gun violence in January of 2013. She explained how gun control is an anti-woman, sexist, and disproportionately victimized women. Sorry, that's a, uh, that's a tough see, that, word. Disproportionately victimized. You know what? It's always too early in the morning for those words for me. Uh, we're going to have to... We're gonna have to let you write down the words we say and and then let me read them yeah. and we'll see how i do right yeah. and then uh gail is going to be with us and then craig joiner who's actually going to be in studio uh, he is a newly elected the newly elected vice president of the arizona state rifle and pistol association which is actually the arizona arm of the nra and they do so much good they're such a family oriented organization they're about teaching uh gun safety and gun skills gun responsibility so i I think we're going to have a great chat with um craig and then of course at the end of our second hour we always have our responsibly armed citizen report and dan's tip of the week yeah my tip of the week this time is going to be about big words big (laughs) words not having them I'll strike all big words. You know, when you have lawyers on, you know you're going to have some big words. 
that's how they they talk, right? That's why I wanted to take off. For today. with, therefore, uh, whatever, thereby. It goes on and on. Anyway, so um, yes, several of our guests today are lawyers, and they're speaking about our rights as citizens and about the limitations the law and politics can sometimes place on us, sometimes arbitrarily and without good reason, good science or good statistics to back up the laws and the pitfalls that we can actually fall into. I, I recently wrote a blog and the, the three gentlemen at the top of the hour, the, those three gentlemen helped me with that blog and it was titled Divorcing Our Gun Rights. And you can find that on our website, which is gunfreedomradio.com under the blog tab. And so, you know, divorcing our gun rights, a lot of people don't know that in the process of getting a divorce, it can sometimes get messy, right? And if it gets messy, people could possibly put orders of protection against one another. And so that's kind of what the blog is talking about and how often maybe that happens, what to do if that has happened to you. And so I think our three experts will help spell that out a little bit for us. And where do they see this blog at? It's at gunfreedomradio.com under the blog tab. I also put my blogs, our blogs, on our Facebook page because we are on Facebook as well. Also under Gun Freedom Radio. Mm -hmm. We're on Twitter under Gun Freedom Radio. So anyway, and, and uh, some of our guests, I referred to them as eagles, right? So legal eagles. Some of them are eagles in the sense that they're keeping their eye on the issues. Uh, of the future of the industry and the firearms industry. And I think that's really where um, maybe Craig Joyner falls into and Alan Corwin because they're not, they're not lawyers. Well, so. speaking of the future, I mean, Cheryl, we're in Kentucky right now at the NRA. Well, yes, little, little uh, radio magic. We're, we're actually pre-recording. Right. <laughs> so right now, today, and I always like to let people know that right now, today, uh, what is the date today? We're recording on Friday, May 13th. So if something big happens, some big news event happens between the day that we're recording and the day you're actually hearing this, which would be the 21st, we're not ignoring it. We're not sticking our head in the sand. We, we just pre-recorded. But, but yes, yeah, so while you're listening to this, we'll be in Kentucky at the NRA meetings. I think it's the 145th or something like that, uh, annual NRA meetings. Wow. It's going to be fun. I think so. I'm, I'm very excited. We've, I've got us planned up to the hilt. Of course, you know I'm going to do that. We've got tickets to this and plans for that, and we're going to meet with a whole bunch of great people. Um, and hopefully, uh, I'm going to try to do some on-the-spot interviews with Facebook Live. I'm new to that whole thing, and so it, it could be just a comedy of errors. But it could also be fun. As long as so. it's not as bad as your selfie thing that you're going through right now, I'm going to be okay with that. It's not just a phase. It isn't. It's, it's, it's fun. I like it. You like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like hot needles poked at my arm, too. Uh, it's not that bad. So also, you know, through this coming summer, we have such a wonderful, busy schedule of traveling. We're actually going to have quite a few shows that we have to pre-record because in June, I'm going to be at the NSSF Summit. I'm actually speaking at the NSSF Summit, and uh, that is in Pittsburgh. I've never been to Pittsburgh before, so that should be interesting. Dan's going to stay here because we have an auction that night. 
why would we have an auction if we're a gun show and we have a gun store named AZ Firearms? Yeah, why would we? Because just <laughs> help me out here, Dan. This is, no, this is yeah, radio. Have, you got to keep moving. Got to keep have, talking. We have auctions every uh, the first and third Tuesday of the month. Because why? Because we have a company called Pot of Gold Estate Auctions, and you can find us at potofgoldestate.com. And so on that particular night, uh, we'll be having an auction, and, and we can't both be gone at this point. We've got an awesome staff, but um, Dan sits up front, and he's our clerk and yes. our joke maker. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh, I, usually, people laugh after you say things, so I, I assume those are those are intentional. Yeah, they do because of all those big <laughs> words you throw at me, right? Uh, well, I don't. No, we do have an auction. It's the first and third Tuesday of the month, and we do guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques. And it's really hard to cancel one of those auctions to go do something else. So Cheryl gets to go, and I get to work. Yeah. So we'll see what Pittsburgh's like in June. I've I've been told it's going to be pretty humid, and then. A month after that, we're going to all be in D.C. again as part of the D.C. project. We went and did our first leg of that trip in February. And so that's where it's a group of women. Uh, this leg in July, 50 women at least. One woman from each state is going to come to Washington, D.C. Those of us that went in February are going to act as sort of... Um, what, den moms or something like that, and kind of help them know the lay of the land, how to use the metro, how do you make appointments with your legislators. And then we're going to go in, we're going to talk to our various legislators. Here in Arizona, we have it pretty easy because we get treated like adults for the most part here in Arizona. And so when we went in and talked with Senator Flake and Congressman Trent, uh, Trent Franks, um, you know, we knew that uh, – we didn't need to, you know, press them to do anything um, that that they weren't already in mind to do. That was a great experience. Uh, we did that a couple of months ago, and um, we got to meet a lot of congress congressmen and women, and um, we learned a lot mm -hmm. just the the experience of it. But it's weird that we're in Arizona and we flew to Washington D.C. to talk <laughs> to our congressmen. Because uh, it ain't worth doing it if it ain't uh, hard and expensive and time-consuming. That's mm. my motto in life. Yeah. But anyway, so where we got to walk in and talk with our legislators and, and know that we're kind of preaching to the choir, that's not the case for all 50 states. So it's going to be great to take these women in and, and help them form relationships with their legislators so that we're not all just sitting back sort of Monday morning quarterbacking our legislators waiting for them to do the thing we didn't want them to do and then jumping on them right. so we're being proactive about that and i do think that they you know they they put attention to the fact that we went there and talked to them mm -hmm. that these issues are important to us mm -hmm. absolutely and uh we are still looking for participants and uh, at the end of that week on Friday the 8th, I believe it is, I'm going to actually be speaking at the rally. We're going to have a rally on the lawn of the Capitol building, and I'll be one of the speakers, and we want to pack that lawn. So uh, what an am amazing way to end what I call Freedom Week. You know, you got the 4th of July at the first, first part of the week. At the end of the week, end up in the nation's capital, see all the sites, take all the tours. All the museums are, are free, right, Dan? Oh, it's awesome. But are you telling me you're going to be speaking on the Capitol lawn, not just talking to other people, but you're actually speaking? There's going to at least be a squirrel there. There's at least one squirrel that I'm going to tell that squirrel what's on my mind about gun laws That's in nuts. America. <laughs> That's nice. Nuts. Nice. See, this is what you can look forward to if you come down to Pot of Gold on the first and third Tuesday of 
every night. And um, so then that's pretty much our summer. And then uh, Tampa, Florida is in September. So that's the Gun Rights Policy Conference. So we've got a lot stacked up. And um, I want you to stick around because today's show is going to, you're going to learn some stuff. I guarantee it. It's our title is, or our theme rather, is Legal Eagles. So stick around. We're going to come back with Michael Kilski. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are talking today uh, about a, a theme, Legal Eagles. All right, we're talking with people who are looking out for your rights, whether they're lawyers or whether they are people who are in our industry who are looking ahead with that eagle eye of, of where we're going and how we get there without giving up our rights and, and reclaiming our rights. And uh, right now, what I, who I'd like to bring to the show is Michael Kilski. He is a, a, a litigator with an organization called uh, Udall Shumway. Did I say that right? Udall Shumway? That is correct. Welcome to the show, Michael. We are excited to have you on. You're a criminal defense uh, lawyer, and uh, you deal with protective order matters in the state of Arizona. And the, the reason that I really wanted to bring you on is because of a business card of yours that I keep in my wallet. You know which card I'm talking about? 
Uh, it's a very popular card. It has to be because the back of it starts out with the words, I want my attorney. I invoke, invoke my right to remain silent. I do not consent to a search of any kind. And it goes on and on, filling the entire back of the card. And I, I have to believe that this has saved a lot of people a lot of trouble over the years. Um, I have had some reports about that, yes. Well, Mike, she uh, uses that card on me a lot, too. <laughs> he doesn't pay any attention, though. So um, so the, the reason that, that we're having you on, besides me loving your business card and thinking what a smart thing, uh, thing that is to put in people's hands is because I got to thinking about what ways do we inadvertently endanger our own rights and and then therefore our gun rights and uh, so I reached out to you as I was writing the blog about divorcing our gun rights and I just wanted to kind of get your take on what do you recommend for anyone who's concerned about what might happen if they have to use a firearm in self-defense and then we'll talk more about the divorce angle later on. Right. So, you know, the obvious answer, and, and it may sound glib, but the obvious answer is training. Number one, get training. Make sure that you, you're trained in the use of firearms and that you get some training about uh, appropriate times that uh, the, the times where it would be appropriate to use a firearm in a defensive situation. It's always better to avoid any kind of situation where a firearm has to be uh, get involved than uh, if, it, if there's any way to do that. Because if you avoid the situation in the first place, then all these other scenarios don't come into play. Well, and in the movies, you know, they, they show somebody that, that is clearly the hero and everybody somehow clearly knows he's the hero, including the police who have just arrived on the scene. And he stops the threat and picks up his firearm and heads on home. And I don't think that's how it works in real life. No, that's, that's absolutely not how it will work in real life. In real life, uh, the, the police are rolling on the scene and they have no idea who is the aggressor. As far as they're concerned, everybody that's not wearing a badge and a uniform uh, is a potential threat. So everybody gets put in handcuffs. And any, any firearms that are out are going to be perceived as an immediate threat to the, the, you know, to the officers. And, and, you know, as we now know from news reports, um, they're not shy about uh, starting to use their own firearms uh, in situations that ultimately uh, turn out to not even be defensible. But uh, so, again, if you can avoid the situation in the first place, by all means do. If you cannot... Be prepared to uh, spend whatever resources you have to uh, defend against uh, the charges that are fo that follow. You know, as they say, um, better do we uh, judge by twelve than carried by six, and that's really the choice that you end up having to make it uh, if it comes down to that. And it is a split second, and that's where that training comes in. And so, so suppose I'm the good guy, right? And I've stopped the threat. But yet I do end up in handcuffs and my, my firearm is confiscated because the, the police have to process the scene. They have to know exactly who's who and what not. And that is when I want to use the words on the back of your card instead of immediately start to explain, right? Absolutely. In most situations, uh, you cannot help yourself by talking and you can only hurt yourself. So, um, you know, if they don't have enough information... Um, uh, 
to arrest you at the beginning of the, the encounter with police. By the time you're done talking, they will have enough. They'll, they'll get all kinds of things out of you and things that you don't think are uh, necessarily incriminating, but the police definitely will treat pretty much anything you say as potentially incriminating and they'll use it against you. So other than maybe the, you know, the very limited um, statement about, um, you know, that there may be another, you know, there may be a, um, another person around that that's part of the, the, the group that you defended against that the police need to be aware of. You don't want to say anything. You just want to say, look, I, I need to talk to my attorney. My attorney will, will help me explain everything. Michael, I'd like to talk about the first thing we, we talked about, the right after an incident happens, you know, that is critical that you are aware that the police are going to surround you, they're going to have guns, and they're not going to know that you are the hero at that time. I, I, was, I stopped an armed robbery once, and I had a Smith & Wesson 29, beautiful gun, brand new, and I saw it was going to happen, so I went, and I stopped the armed robbery, and then when the police came, I thought, okay, this is all good, I can go home now. They made me drop that gun. They didn't make me set it down, they made me drop that gun. And, you know, I, I just didn't think about it. And now, you know, I know that, man, as soon as that first patrol car comes, you gently set the gun down and get your hands clear and just be prepared. Because they have no idea. it down and then you set your nickel plated. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, and absolutely. I mean, in any case, listen, uh, if you're particularly fond of a, of a, of a firearm, that's probably not the gun that you should use as a carry gun. Good point. Okay? Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen to it, and it's not going to be treated gently if, if you're ever in any kind of, you know, life, life-threatening, life-saving encounter. I so, guess, you know, I guess the point is that, you know, I saw it was happening, I had plenty of time, and I wanted to look good. You know, <laughs> so I had my good gun. There you go, oh, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, we're moving along. So, um you know, so people think if I immediately invoke my rights, don't don't I look like I'm trying to hide something? Well, again, there there may be that may be a possibility that you know the the, the first cops on the scene are going to be oh my god, here we go, this guy's got something to hide. They want their attorney, but uh, you know, I, I explain to people there's a, there's an easy way around that. There's a fairly easy and, and perhaps even a little bit humorous way to deal with that and that is you blame me you know you tell the officer you know officer you seem like a nice person I really want to talk to you I will but you know my attorney that he's he's a little bit of a jerk and I really <laughs> like my attorney as well I really need to maintain that relationship um, so if I say anything to you, you know my attorney's going to be so mad at me I can't afford that so let's just do this let me talk to my attorney first and and then you know with my attorney's help um, I, I may be able to talk to you, but I, I'm, I'm not going to risk getting my attorney mad. So, you know, he's a real jerk, and, and you, you'll, you'll see when you talk to him. But, you know, so just turn it around and blame me. Yeah. Make me the bad guy and, and take, you know, make it a little bit humorous and, I like and, that. and, and all that. So, again, just uh, you're using, you're in effect using some of the same psychological tricks that the police regularly use on people that they encounter. Listen, I mean, the police. Their job is they're trained in investigating and interrogating and asking questions, and they they receive all kinds of training in using deception, uh, lies, and other methods to get people to talk because they want people to talk because things that people say 
will be used against them. So, so Mike, yeah, excuse, if, if I ask, help, so. it's important that I ask you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but if I, if I tell a police officer, I want to talk to my attorney, can they proceed, can they ask me, persu persuade me to keep talking or what, are they supposed to just stop right there and be done? Well, technically they're supposed to stop right there, but it, again, it depends on um, the Miranda rule. It depends on whether or not you're considered to be in custody. So, uh, but again, anytime you've said, I want my attorney, I'm not going to talk to you until I've talked to my attorney, um, they're not supposed to keep asking you questions. They're not supposed to um, take any, they're not supposed to engage in any conduct that is intended to elicit more statements from you, right? So the, the old technique that you sometimes see in the cop shows where, you know, where the guy, you know, the, the sort of smart criminal sits there and cuffs in the uh, interrogation room and, the, and says, I want my attorney. And then the cops start talking to each other and start having a conversation about all the things that they imagine that they have. Um, of course, intended to try to get the person to start talking again. Well, that's also prohibited. So, again, they're, not, they're supposed to stop asking, but you've got to just maintain that, that uh, state of mind to say, you know what, I want my attorney, I'm not going to answer any questions until I've talked to my attorney. I want my attorney, I'm not going to answer any questions until I've talked to my attorney. I invoke my rights. Well, Mike, the other issue is this protective order. If, if you get a protective order that's false, how, how can I fight that? Because if I have a protective order, that means I can't buy a firearm or can't even possess a firearm. Isn't that true? Well, and, and, and here's the thing. Um, if you, if there is a false protective order, you need to talk to an attorney right away. Okay. There are all kinds of, um, uh, risks because if you, if you try to fight a false protective order that does not require you to surrender your firearms, and even if it's false and you lose, um, you become a prohibited possessor for the balance of the, the time of that protective order under federal law. So you didn't have to surrender your firearms initially based on this false protective order, but then you fought it and you lost. And if you don't know what you're doing, you stand a chance to lose. And even if you do hire an experienced attorney, there is a chance you'll lose. So you have to make a decision. Is it worth fighting this false protective order um, or... Or is it, um, uh, does it make more sense just let it be and not risk your, your gun rights for that year? Now, if the order requires you to surrender your firearms, again, you have to call, call an attorney. You need to talk to somebody and review the situation and see what you can do. But and so, of course, the best advice is don't ever get in a situation where somebody has cause to take out a protective order against you. Yeah, but somebody could just falsify a protective order just because they want to get revenge on you. I mean, so you're saying if somebody files a protective order on me, doesn't mean that I have to surrender my guns? Well, in Arizona, there's there's two there are basically the two categories. The category where a firearm is alleged in there, and the uh, the judge has ordered that you surrender your firearms. And there's the one that says that doesn't mention firearms, and the judge doesn't order that you surrender. All right, um, but. In either case, if you fight it and lose, you will lose your firearms for the balance of the year. Yeah, so you got to weigh that out. And I hate to, to cut you off. We could keep talking forever. But very quickly, tell people how they find you, and then we've got to run to commercial, Michael. 
Well, uh, you can find me online. Uh, my, uh, my law firm's website is udallshumway.com, U-D-A-L-L-S-H-U-M-W-A-Y.com. And um, just, you know, if ever you have a question that involves self-defense or uh, potential criminal charges, just call an attorney first. Don't try to handle it on your own. Um, call me, call one of my colleagues, talk to somebody. Uh, going it alone is always uh, makes it more difficult for the attorney that's going to come on later on. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and talking with us, and we'll definitely have you back on again. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. All right, stick around. We have another self-defense lawyer coming up right after this, James M. Maravich. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And our theme today is Legal Eagles. And we uh, stacked the first hour of the show with three attorneys who, or actually two attorneys and a, a law expert, uh, Alan Corwin, who will be coming up a little later. But uh, self-defense lawyers, that's a specific kind of law because when we are defending ourselves, we think we're the heroes, right? We think, 
well, clearly when the police show up, uh, they're going to know that I'm the good guy and I get to just head on home. But apparently that's not how it really works in real life. And uh, coming up next, we have self-defense lawyer James A. Maravich to talk to us a little bit more about the legal ramifications of self-defense. And he also helped me write that blog on divorcing our gun rights. So we'll probably stick a toe in that water, too. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Cheryl. It's a privilege to be here. We are so excited to have you. And, you know, I I think I always overstate what you say, but I, I hear you tell me you should connect with legal counsel, someone like yourself who understands self-defense law, before you even buy your first self-defense gun. I wouldn't disagree with that, but for most people that's not practical because a person could go through the process of training and looking for a firearm and as part of that training find out that carrying a firearm every day or having one at home for their personal protection of of the home their family themselves is just not for them so they decide never to carry and they give their gun away or they sell it but with all the care that we give and I've done this to to choosing the 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 right fit for a holster, the right fit for my hand for a firearm, the right ammunition that fits its purposes. We should put the same care into finding an attorney to help out if we are ever in a situation of having to use our firearm for self-defense. I think it's part of the formula that should never, never be ignored. I think it's very wise. I mean, there's smart and then there's wise. And I think that's wise because Things that happen generally don't happen between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. banker's hours, right? That's true. Most of the time they happen early in the morning and late at night. Uh, doors get kicked in, of course, at homes or windows get broken into at any time. But when those things happen during non-routine business hours, you want to have someone you can call that has promised to be available for you. I just think that that makes a lot of good sense. Yeah, who do you call? At 12 o'clock at night, if you've been involved in a shooting, how, how do you do that? I mean, what's the first thing you do? They say, you can make one phone call. How do you do that? Well, most people, well, first of all, they, they're not going to give you permission to make one phone call if you haven't called 911 first because they won't know about the shooting until you inform them or someone in your household informs them. So there are some advocates, and you're having one on your show later, Alan Corman, Corman, who's going to advocate call your attorney first. And he and I have had many debates about this, and at the SHOT Show this year, we talked to other attorneys to get their opinion about it. Um, I've read his book, and I came to the conclusion halfway through it I would never carry a firearm again. But then when I finished the book, a lot of lights went on. I figured out what I wanted to do. I figured out what I was going to tell my clients, and I continued to carry. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm prepared. So what would you advise that they should call 911 first or you first? Uh, that's a choice that they should talk over with their attorney because there are downsides to calling an attorney first and there are also downsides to calling 911 first if you don't know what to say. Your attorney will give you the right things to say, we hope. And uh, so it, I think it's okay to call your attorney first and call, take some time to call down, calm down and get the information back in your head from your attorney of what you're going to say to 911. And, and if your attorney advises you not to talk to the police when they arrive, that's good advice. And maybe your attorney is the per- type of person that will show up at your 
wherever the uh, incident occurred. So what you're saying, Michael, uh, James, is that a person that calls 911 could actually get themselves in trouble for the information they give them on the phone. Yes, nine, uh, 911 calls are not protected by the Fifth Amendment, which is the right to remain silent and not incriminate yourself. So if you say the wrong things to the 911 operator, that's going to be played in court. Wow. So training, uh, the, the previous guest we had, you know, he said training is so important. I know you're going to agree with that. And part of training our minds is running through possible scenarios, running through scenarios that have actually happened in real life and that leads me to a project you're involved with that i think is is really uh, important and i think people should pay attention and watch because it it's a tv show where you guys take real incidents and then you kind of monday morning quarterback through it from the perspective of a self-defense lawyer right yes that's my perspective the the other panelists on stop the threat uh, our former and current law enforcement uh, on the five episodes that I'm appearing on starting in, in at the end of June there is a firearms instructor and three gun competitor who's also there it's a panel of three experts who are diverse we watch video reenactments of actual self-defense shootings and we talk about what the good guy could have done differently or better to make the situation more advantageous to that person and do you always uh, present sh uh, incidents where clearly the person, the self-defense person was in the right? Or do you show us some where they, they really didn't do the right thing, like firing after the person's running away and that sort of thing? Well, you know, that often depends on the, the viewer's perspective. Uh, there were two episodes in which I'm in where uh, I think the good guy did, in the first episode, the good guy did something wrong. Uh, in the second episode that I'm referring to, the good guy definitely did something wrong. Everybody agreed to it, and that person will probably be charged with a crime. And that is so important to keep in the top of our minds. Yes. because and, yes, and, and, and as people watch the show, they can learn from that person's mistakes, and that's the exactly. purpose of the show. So you're, you're absolutely right, Cheryl. Exactly. Well, I did a video training once where you know, you, you, you're in a shooting incident, and I can't believe how many mistakes I made. So, you know, to prepare ourselves, to train ourselves, to watch these videos, to watch what you guys are doing is very important because, uh, you know, nothing happens, nothing happens, and all of a sudden, boom, you're in a situation. How do you train yourself for other than doing what you, you guys are teaching? Well, that's a good question. You just have to keep training and training and learning yeah. and learning. And, you know, these things will become ingrained in, in your mind. And, and what I want my clients to remember is don't blabber and that's really important and i've said that before on this show do not blabber resist the urge because when people are upset and nervous they talk and talk and talk and they think because that they believe they're in the right they can say anything they want and and the prosecutor upon reviewing the case will not charge them and that's just not the case do you think that maybe people talk when they're in, in a situation like that, they talk because they're trying to convince everyone that they did the right thing and, and they say too maybe. much? Uh, you know, that, that could be it. And uh, I've found, especially when I'm in depositions with clients that are, are being questioned by another attorney, they talk because they think they're smarter than the other person. And in, the more they talk, the more they can convince them. Uh, they get righteous, indignant. But I think in the case you're describing, 
people are so hepped up and, and the, the adrenaline is still running that it makes them feel better to tell what happened and to talk and, Start and to, verbally processing. Yes, to orally go on and on and on with, to help release that stress and tension. Mm. And that's what we all, all of us attorneys should be telling our clients, don't do that because blabberings might get you thrown in jail. So suppose that uh, the person who was actually defending, the one with the firearm, the good guy with the gun, hopefully doing the right things, he does take your advice, but maybe the spouse starts blabbering is that just as as tricky and dangerous for them yeah it, it might be depending on what the spouse says but it's not the shooter doing the talking so it, when you go into court there's a rule called the hearsay rule and that what what that spouse has said might not be admissible under the right circumstances gotcha well and speaking of spouses the, the reason that um, you and I started talking a month or so ago is because a friend of mine just said uh, casually they don't have any uh, legal knowledge that I recall just that you know it's it become a standard practice in a divorce that and then especially contentious divorces that the the legal counsel for both parties will say we need to put a protection of order against the other party. It's just a, a check mark on the list. And so I reached out to you and you said, that, well, it's not in the divorce decree. So it's not necessarily a check mark. It might be for individual lawyers, perhaps. But uh, what do you say about all that? Well, let me get real specific. The divorce decree occurs at the end of a divorce. It's the order from the court decreeing that the marriage is over and here's how it's going to end and what, what each party gets from the, the uh, union. Uh, what, what I was explaining to uh, you and, and actually some other clients have asked this before is that at the beginning of each divorce, you have to serve the the non-filing party with all the divorce papers and included in that is a standard injunction and it tells the, both parties that they cannot harass the other party, they can't move money, they can't hide things, uh, they can't bother the children and so on and so forth. That list does not include anything about firearms unless it's changed in the last two weeks which I doubt. Now the uh, what what you might be referring to is going to small claims court uh, or a justice court and getting uh, at no cost to the the issuer a free order of protection against the spouse that ha does have that checkbox where you can say oh, we don't want this person to have firearms and if that happens there's a couple things you can do well, I wish we had more time to, to kind of drill down into those things, but uh, people can read the blog where I've quoted you on several things, and that's at gunfreedomradio.com on the blogs tab. And they can also reach out and ask you questions yourself. How do people reach you? Uh, the easiest way is to go to marovichlaw.com. It's M-A-R-O-V-I-C-H law.com. Uh, my phone number is 602-956-4121. Uh, give me a call, send me an email, and I'll be happy to talk to you about potential representations. And sometimes I can even answer easy questions. Well, and uh, so then would you be the one that people would call in the middle of the night when these kinds of things happen, once they've talked to you beforehand? If it's a client, I'll respond. If it's not a client and I'm available, I will do my best to respond. But there's no guarantees. I promise clients they can call me anytime. 
I love it. That's fantastic. You you are that legal eagle out there that everybody should know. Thank you so much for taking the time coming into studio to be with us here today. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. And everybody to watch, Stop the Threat on the Pursuit Channel coming up in June because uh, James will be on that. Well, stick around. We have Alan Corwin, U.S. gun law expert, coming up right after this. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's SA. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but. Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Thanks for sticking around and welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And today we are talking with some legal eagles. Uh, We've talked with two attorneys, and now we're bringing on Alan Corwin, who is an expert in U.S. gun laws, not just here in Arizona, where we reside, but all across our nation. And so I wanted to reach out to Alan when I was writing my blog about divorcing our gun rights. You know, what ways do we accidentally trip over ourselves and maybe uh, explain our way into trouble rather than uh, doing the smart things that he's going to talk to us about. Alan, are you with us? I sure am, Cheryl, and it's a pleasure always to be with you. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time. You are a busy, busy dude, and so for us to get a few minutes with you is awesome. So uh, we were talking about the the blog that you helped participate in, and everybody can read your comments if they go to gunfreedomradio.com and click the blogs tab. Uh, And so we were talking about a panel, a discussion panel you went and uh, listened to or participated in recently about our Miranda rights. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. The uh, 50th anniversary of Miranda, the Miranda case, which was actually here in Arizona, 
generated a uh, panel in downtown uh, Phoenix, and I think I have it right here. Here it is. I noticed it in the paper, and I said, oh, that's for me. I like those kinds of things. My friend Bill Montgomery, our county attorney, was part of it. And uh, they had uh, the Arizona Supreme Court Justice, the uh, Court of Appeals Justice, and Assistant Police Chief Mike Curtinback was there, and a federal a prosecutor, a, uh, a guy from the, uh, what do you call it, the indigent uh, public defender's office. And they were all talking about the Miranda rights. Now, when Miranda first came on, prosecutors went, how will we ever convict anybody if we can't use their own statements? Right? Isn't that justice? Right. And it it goes something like, uh, you have the right to remain silent. So that's what we mean by Miranda. So go on. Right. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. And they said, if we can't just use their statements against them before they have a lawyer, how will we ever convict anybody? Well, it turns out everybody talks. <laughs> that was the bottom line. They read you your rights, and then everybody talks. And in fact, the fellow from the uh, public defender's office was the most surprising. He said, I got these guys who come in, they've been arrested, they've been arrested again, they've been released, they've been arrested again, they got a long rap sheet, they keep getting read their rights, and they keep talking. <laughs> Some people Alan, will never he, learn, I suppose. Alan, you've been married. No you've been married thirty years. I've been married thirty-one years, and my wife starts our arguments not with "you have the right to remain silent," but she does say everything I say will be used against me. <laughs> and they use it against you. We, don't we, they use sex we do. Dog we you. do. It's true. It happens. So just be forewarned. Anyway, back on topic. Um, so, so you. So people, go, go ahead. ahead. No, people, people do talk themselves into it. And you wrote a book to try to also convince people to stop talking and stop blabbing, as our, our previous guest did. And I want to talk about your book, After You Shoot. So go on with that. Uh, your gun's hot, the perp's not. Now what? People figure, <laughs> people figure they will talk their way out of it. But everything you say will be used against you. And prosecutors are very good at doing that. So you figure you'll explain it away. Hey, he shot at me, so I shot him, but it was legitimate officer. I was self-defense. And you've said, I shot at him. And the prosecutor's job is done. You should never say you shot at somebody. In fact, the lawyer's advice, don't say anything. S-T-F-U. Shut the... Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it actually means speak the fewest utterances. I love it. S-T-F-U. Um, because anything you say can or will be used against you, and you don't understand the Miranda statement. You just don't. You have the right to have an attorney. Your attorney, right now, a team of attorneys, an attorney they give you, can you talk to the attorney in private? You have no idea what, the, what this is. So when they say, you have the right to remain silent, do you understand what I've just told you? You should say, no. You have the right to have an attorney present, do you understand what I've just told you? No. And you have to invoke. You have to say, I want my attorney. That's called invoking. If you don't invoke, then you don't have the right to remain silent. You don't have the right to have an attorney. And the idea that you'll talk your way out of it, especially if they say the magic phrase, you're under arrest, that's a legal phrase with legal weight that means you're screwed, blued, and tattooed. You well, can't get out of it then. You're yeah. under arrest. The cop can't take that back. And people don't know this. So I wrote that book, After You Shoot, 
so that you would know what the situation is. And we invented a new first gun safety rule. Everybody knows never point a gun at anything you don't want to shoot, keep your finger off the trigger, always point the gun in a safe direction, treat every gun as if it's loaded. Those are the rules for not using a gun. The rules for gunfighting include it's always better to avoid a gunfight than to win one. And people don't realize that. Mm. You should run away screaming into your cell phone, not taking aim and shooting, if it's at all possible. Because if you fire, you've got years of legal grief and a lien on your home to pay your attorney. And nobody thinks about that part. You know, and also, Alan, right after a shooting, you know, a self-defense shooting, you got to think about, you know, your adrenaline's high. Maybe you your need to just maybe up. you need to just calm down and really think about it for a couple hours before you start blabbing too much information. But you when know? I give a speech like I did to the Arrowhead Republican women the other day, and I love giving speeches like that to groups, I said, "What do you do after you shoot?" And everybody said, "Call 911." Well, you call 911, you're talking into a police tape recorder, right. and you're not keeping silent, and you don't have an attorney present. And Dan, you're right. Your blood pressure's up. Your adrenaline's flowing. You can't think straight. You don't get the chronology right. If you say anything twice, it comes out different both times. And then they go, are you lying on this one or are you lying on that one? Right, and you're justifying to the 911 call why you did what you did, and you shouldn't do that. You should just say, we, have a, we need emergency help or something, but you definitely What do you need emergency them. help for, sir? See, you're making statements, yeah. and then they'll draw more information out of right. you. So what would the you I say if, if there was a shooting in my home, somebody inv come in my house, and there was a shooting, how would you say I should call 911? What should I say? I would say you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Tell 911. That's a short version. No. Tell 911 they're screwed? No. No. One, of so the things that, one of the things that came out of the Miranda hearing downtown that I went to, and I'll be writing about this, if people want to go to gunlaws.com, and sign up for my email blast, which I only send out infrequently. I'll be writing about this. Calling 911 is optional. They can't make it mandatory because if you're required to call 911, it's not a voluntary statement. And if it's a required statement, then it's a compelled confession and can't be used. So it has to be optional. And since it's optional, the first thing you should do really is call your lawyer which suggests you have one. If you bought a gun and ammo, you should have a lawyer. And in that book, After You Shoot, it talks about why you should have a lawyer and how to find one. Most people don't know how to find a lawyer. They've got a real estate lawyer or a trust lawyer. I have a copyright lawyer. You need a criminal defense lawyer. And the lawyer needs to know you and know that you might call at 2 in the morning or from a street where you've just shot somebody. And if you call a lawyer before 911, the guy might bleed out. You face a homicide charge instead of an aggravated assault charge. It is complicated. It's more than just being a good shot. And people don't realize this. Right. Now, and in I, Arizona, we have good laws that protect you, but there's more to it than that. Right. And I, and I, I want to tell all our listeners, don't be afraid to own and carry a gun. You know, you have a responsibility to get to training. You have a responsibility to, to be a safe shooter. But you also have a responsibility. Get yourself an attorney. Uh, it doesn't cost that much to get one on, a, I guess, a retainer or whatever where you say, okay, I want you to be my attorney. If I have an emergency, give me your phone number so I can call you at 2 in the morning. 
and you have that relationship, then you're at least you're at the right, you know, no surprises there. And you know what you're doing, and you've dealt with the guy before. At gunlaws.com, we have some attorneys listed under the FAQ button. You can talk to them ahead of time. You can establish a relationship. And if you read after you shoot, maybe you won't even need the attorney because you'll know some things ahead of time. We have five different solutions to what to do on the 911 call. And one of the best ones is to pass a law we call the 911 Limited Immunity Act, where you can talk to 911 and they can't use it against you unless your lawyer wants to enter it into evidence and the media can't use it unless it's used in open court so they can't try you in public, which is what they do. Well, I, you write so many books. You have, what, 15 now out there? Uh, I just finished my 15th. It's going on press today if everything goes well. What's the title of that one? Well, it's done for the uh, JPFO group, Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, and it's called Why Jews Must Learn to Shoot. And the opening question is, but doesn't everybody have to learn how to shoot? And Grandpa Jack says, yes, it does, son. Yes, they do. So the idea that Jews have to learn how to shoot really means everybody has to learn how to shoot. And all these people who are afraid of guns really ought to learn how, if not own a gun, know how to use one. And we go through all the reasons why people really know how to, need to know how to learn how to shoot. It's a comic book. And it's marvelous. It should be off press in maybe two or three weeks. I'm if you go to gunlaws.com, you'll be able to get some information on that. I'm excited about that. And we just have about a minute left. But um, you also wrote a book about something that anybody new to guns maybe has never even heard of. And if you could just really quickly talk about D.C. versus Heller and why that is so important. Well, the Heller case established our rights beyond any doubt. There were 92 gun cases at the Supreme Court before the Heller case. Uh, but the Heller case established many things. Maybe more important, uh, Cheryl, the Caetano case just came out of the Supreme Court. That's posted at gunlaws.com. The Caetano case was eight to nothing. All the liberal justices signed on, and it's about self-defense of a little woman whose big boyfriend beat her up until she was in the hospital, and Massachusetts arrested her and let her boyfriend go and she got a stun gun to protect herself, and the court said without that she'd have been killed, and the Second Amendment protects her, and reversed the Massachusetts court, the Caetano case. We're going to look posted that at up. gunlaws.com. It's a marvelous case, and the news media didn't say anything about it, but that's what I do. I found out about it. I posted it. I circulated it. And Caetano v. Massachusetts is a marvelous self-defense case, the 113th gun case, out of the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm going to look that up, and I want all of our listeners to look that up, and I want them to go to gunlaws.com and check out all of the books that you write, Alan. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Press the New Stuff button, and you'll see the Caetano case. It's, it's miraculous. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, stick My total pleasure. Absolutely. Now, stick around. We still have our second hour of gunfreedomradio.com and Legal Eagles.